All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Book of Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. Happy Monday to you that are live streaming with us. It is Monday, and I hope you had a good weekend. I was able to take a little bit of time off myself, and uh, I hope you were as well, especially you wedding photographers. I know you tend to get kind of busy over the weekend. Hope you're able to take a breather, maybe. <laughs> and I appreciate you joining us today for the live stream. And um, for those of you that are live streaming, don't hesitate, don't be shy. Join the conversation, ask questions, comment on the conversation at hand and engage with our guests. One of the benefits of doing the, the live stream with us. And then for those of you that are not live streaming, make sure if you're listening to the audio version of us, follow on Instagram at Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast, and uh, you can keep up to date with the upcoming live streams. We're going to do one to two a week and um, we schedule these in advance so you'll know when they're coming up and you can come be part of that conversation if you would like. And then before I introduce our guest for today, uh, just one other quick reminder, as I always do, make sure to take advantage of opportunities to give back. I made my donation to Charity Water today before the episode, as I promised I would do before every episode. But I just share that to encourage you all to look for opportunities to give back. Even just a little bit of money can go a long way, whether you're giving to your local community or to national and international organizations. All right. Well, enough of the introduction and uh, let me bring in our guest for today. It's good to actually have, as a return guest, a repeat guest, Jennifer Garcia is here with me. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming back to hang out with me. Thank you for having me. And we are, you know, it's, we were talking about this before we got started today. It's been, I think it was episode 320, was it 312 or three? Let me, let me double check my notes here. 312, yeah, that you were on the show. So it's been two or three years ago at least. And um, things have changed a little bit since you were here. We were audio only before. <laughs> now we're doing the video yes. thing, and um, we're gonna we're gonna kind of reintroduce you today because I know you said a lot has changed with your business too, right? Absolutely. So we'll get to that yes. here. In fact, let's actually just start with that. Um, one of the questions that I think I asked you this in our first interview, but I'm going to ask you again as a way of kind of introducing you to the world at large and to our community. What is your business's brand position, if you will? Just take the opportunity to introduce what your business is about. Absolutely. So we are a natural light studio in Orange County, and we began as a studio that rents out our spaces to photographers and brands and so forth. And then as we moved forward, we realized there was also a need to offer photography services. So we started as a studio rental business and have moved into offering photography services as well. And I think something really unique about our space is we strive to give this amazing an affordable luxury experience from the first time you reach out to us until your last contact and you've completed whatever work you're doing with us. So we just, we give a fantastic experience in a truly beautiful place and offer really everything within the photography realm that people would need. So what was the impetus behind, because I think the last time we talked, the studio wasn't as much a focus, right? It was more just about running your photography business. This has expanded now to not just offering studio photography services, but also renting the studio to the local community. Well, I originally opened it to rent it to the local community. Um, I'm a photographer, a longtime photographer, and of course I wanted to shoot in it as well. But you know, as you, you move along your journey, you really realize 
what you can handle and what your future may look like. And at one point I was a photographer, but as things evolved, I realized I can't, I can't do both things. I can't do all these things. How do I still continue offering the service without taking my energy? And so I built out a photography team. So the biggest shift is I was a photographer. I've pulled back from that and um, I've built a team to now offer photos and then also still we are renting our studio space. So really have evolved into two different businesses within one umbrella. Okay. So is this kind of a, a means to an end in that you're trying to create a business that will scale and be a bit more sustainable over the long run? Absolutely. Um, you know, when we opened Spark Studios three, it's been three years. This is our three year anniversary this month. Um, Congratulations. Which, you know, through a pandemic. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> By the yeah. grace of God, I'm just so thankful. Um, so when we, you know, when we opened it, I, I'd seen it as a just a studio business. And then, you know, as we're talking about today, you listen to your audience and you, you see what else is available. But what, one thing I learned is I see more studios open around us because at the time we were the only one in Orange County. Um, you know, the main, the main thing I lost my train of thought, ask me that question again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you made it, you sure. made a comment in passing there that I kind of want to point out, which is interesting. Um, the idea of you see what else is available. Right. So when we talk about brand position, yeah. the significance of brand position might get missed because we talk about it here on the podcast a lot. But the significance of brand position at the end of the day is positioning ourselves against the existing marketplace. So whatever the business that we offer, whether it's photography or studio services or something totally outside the photography industry, we look at what exists. Or I was going to add the little caveat um, that the twist to what you said, which is look at what doesn't exist. Right. We look for opportunities yes. in the marketplace. Yes. And then we do that thing, which positions ourselves against the marketplace. And, you know, I understand the community or competition idea, but at the end of the day, the consumer is looking to see what options they have in front of them, right? So if they look at one place and they see that this particular, in your case, a studio offers a service that nobody else does, then, then naturally it might drive them in more effectively versus, you know, the same photography business offering the same type of services represented by the same words and the same Lightroom presets and the same shooting style. Right. And, you know, which unfortunately most photographers are just kind of rinsing and repeating what other photographers in their marketplace are doing. So it doesn't create any distinction. So I, I like that you were looking at what the market was doing and you use that as a kind of a frame of reference for deciding how yes. to, to create the studio that you have. And while you're, you're, while we're talking about your studio, actually, I want to pull it up here on screen. So for anybody who is not live streaming with us or watching the video, you can go back, you can go to Spark Studios OC, Spark Studios with an S at the end, and then OC.com. And you can see here, we'll scroll down just a little bit. Welcome to Spark Studios, located in Huntington Beach, Florida. Spark Studios, Orange County's top natural light photo and film studio available for professional photography services by the Spark Studios photo team, hourly studio rental, and wardrobe rental. Here at Spark Studios, you have access to multiple looks in one beautiful natural light location. And I know that, that you know, the purpose of this today isn't to talk about your studio, but I think it's an interesting um, opportunity to share the business model and concept with other photographers, wherever they may be here in the U S or, or abroad as well, because as photographers, we, I think we only have, I don't know, so much of a runway, right? We're only going to shoot for so long. I shot weddings for about 10 years and I was kind of yeah. done for, for different reasons, maybe than yourself, Jennifer. Uh, but look for other opportunities to be able to grow and scale our, our company, our businesses, our brands. Absolutely. And this is one of the ways to go about doing that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what one of the biggest things I learned as I was moving along. So I started a studio rental business, but then I realized I can only scale this so much. There's so many hours in the day at this capped price. How do I grow? How do I scale? How do I build a bigger company? Because it's not feasible by just having one small studio space. Right. And so, you know, as a business owner, you have to be innovative. And I pride myself and work hard to be ahead of the curve, which is how Spark Studios came about. And um, by doing that, I was open to other possibilities. And I'm going to keep taking it back to the topic because it's it's so relevant, which is listening to your community. The reason we went from um, studio rentals, just studio rentals, to offering photography services is because people started asking, oh, do, do you shoot photos? And the answer for me was yes, personally. But again, as one person, I can only shoot so much and build a business so much. So you have to build a team you know, to grow. And so um, I listened to what they had to say and said, wait, we don't offer photography services. How do we do that? And thus was born another business because truly it is a completely different business than the one I started with. While all under one umbrella, it still requires a different audience. Um, they have different needs. It's a different demographic. And so you really have to now understand who you're speaking to and so how I can, you know, speak back to them and provide what they're looking for. Well, and to your earlier point, we are going to get into this topic today about how to listen to the community for the sake of improving, refining, and ideally growing our businesses as entrepreneurs, certainly as photography business owners. And we'll get to that here in just a little bit. Let me get to our next kind of introductory question, though. Let's talk about customer experience. What's yes. the big idea or principle behind driving an incredible customer experience for you, for your business? So I don't remember where I originally heard this. So I do want to give a shout out to wherever I did because I've really practiced um, this, this fundamental principle and it's a win-win-win outcome. And so for me, that means that Spark Studios wins. Uh, if it's a photographer renting our studio space, the photographer wins and their clients win. How do we create solutions and services where all of us win? And that's really my guiding principle for everything we do. I want everyone who's involved to win. Um, sometimes there's compromise in that. Sometimes we take a small loss or we have a gain. However that looks, I just want all of us to win. So give me, I guess, a practical, tangible example of that. Like when the, the concept, the principle sounds great. How are you then applying that day to day? Like, how are you looking for ways to apply that concept and make sure that there is that win for everybody involved? Absolutely. I mean, it depends on what the need is for like a photographer who would be renting our studio. Is it having a price point that they can, um, you know, because what happens with our studio, they're paying an hourly studio rental fee. So they obviously don't have a studio. Um, so they're going to pay us to use ours. So where the win for them is getting it to a price point that they can sell it to their clients. The win for us is that we have business in our studio. We have people using and enjoying our spaces. And the win for their client is they have these unique pictures, that's something really different, um, you know, than the outdoor feel. But they have the studio space that they can have these beautiful photos for whatever need um, within our, our unique space. Cool. It sounds like you're thinking through this big picture wise, which is, is really, really good. Um, let, let's kind of transition though. I know we could park there for a little bit, but talk to me a little bit about time management. It, you're, you're managing a company, a brand now that I'm sure is quite time consuming on multiple levels, but mm -hmm. you also want to yes. do more than work. I mean, there's more to work in life, believe it or not. And um, so I'm curious how you're going about creating some of that space for yourself while also running a business like this. 
Absolutely. Well, I'm fortunate at this point in my career to have a team. So it's not me on my own. And the biggest thing I have to do is let go and delegate and give away what I don't need to do. And so you really become intentional and you fine tune what does Jennifer need to complete that no one else can. And if that's not something that needs to be done by me, I, I give it to my team, they get it done. And that's the biggest key. So I know everyone doesn't have that luxury. However, I do believe there are several spaces that people can find ways to delegate work and get things off their plate yeah. for a low cost. I mean, you have a you have a partner or a company, a Photographers Edit, who Shout we out. actually use them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been game changing. But had I kept everything and held on to editing or whatever it may be, I just I can't grow as much. I'm weighed down and I can't do what I do best, which is come up with ideas and spearhead them to get them off the ground. So um, definitely delegating. And then for me, um, I turned 40 during COVID and <laughs> the game changer there is my body starts to hurt. I, I physically feel pain when I'm overworked and stressed. And that's just not an option to live my life that way when I live a very healthy lifestyle and work hard to be fit and eat healthy. But if I have so much stress on my plate and I have back pain, that puts me on the couch and takes me out from working. So I have to manage that pain. And it's, it's just rest. I have to intentionally make time for rest. And I make that a priority. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a loaded topic. So I'm 42, so I, I understand. And we have plenty of listeners that, that um, maybe haven't quite reached this stage in their lives yet, but there is, there is a lot to be said. In fact, I think we need to do more episodes, honestly, here on the show, talking about health management on, on different, at different levels, right? Uh, I, it's interesting. I dealt with some back pain not too long ago. And what I found, Jennifer, is that some very specific stretching made all the difference in the world. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I lift quite a bit of heavy weight in, in my workouts as well. Um, but it was something as simple as just very focused stretching that made all the difference in the world and went from like where I was concerned I had actual back problems to like relief from the pain. Um, so I may have to share ah, those wonderful. tips with you a little bit afterwards. I, I won't, I won't <laughs> go into that in detail right now, but, um, nonetheless, there is something, there's a lot to be said for being proactive and managing our health because at the end of the day, that energy level that we're able to certainly bring to our work makes all the difference in the world for that purpose. But to my original point, there's just so much more to life than work. You know, like it's easy. I understand we all have to make a living. And so we're going to spend a lot of time doing that, but there's just so much more to life than just work. There's so many opportunities, adventures for us to go on connections to be made. And if we're not in a good place health wise, then once we get done with work, we're going to be so burnt out and, and exhausted that we won't have the energy to, to give to other things. So Taking care of our health is good. But then going back to your original point, delegation is an interesting mm -hmm. topic. We do talk about it here a lot on the show. And yeah, sure, I own an editing company. But you made a point which was, I think, especially poignant. Because a lot of times when it comes to the, the topic of delegation, photographers talk about getting rid of the stuff that they don't like and doing the things that they enjoy. And I think that holds some significance to a point. But the question really, I, I think, at the end of the day is more along the lines of what you were talking about, Jennifer, which is what can I, or what, what doesn't require my involvement and trying to get rid of as much of that work as possible. You know, there are a lot of things that I like to do in life. It doesn't mean that I get to do all of them. So using that as the, as the like point of reference for what I choose to do and not do, I think as a little, it falls short when it comes to, to logic and ultimately building a really strong company. If we're talking about trying to scale something and actually build it over the long run, 
I think you, you've got it right. I think it's about figuring out what things don't need you to be involved and delegating that stuff out. Editing certainly is one of them. And, um, and then focusing on the stuff that you have to be involved in that will drive the bottom line for the company. I think that's, that's really, really important. How did you kind of land on that realization about the distinction? What, what requires your involvement versus not? Um, oh, <laughs> that's a hard one. And I think it's, you're going to hear me say this a lot. I think it's a practice, you know, at some, at one point in my life, I'm sure I was very controlling and needed to do everything, but then you start to realize the benefit of giving things away. And then you start to have trust in your team more. You see them rise to whatever the task is to complete it. And, you know, one, one thing, this was kind of a, a turning point for me. Um, I, I started asking myself, okay, I can do this, or Chantel, who is our studio manager, for example, example, she, she can do this task, but I, I'll do it this way. And then I stopped and asked, but what if she did it better? What if the outcome of her doing it is better? And I really started to lean into that, and I lean into that in many spaces in life. When I'm scared to let go of things, I, I come back to ask myself, but what if the result is better? And so many times it is, and you know, I'll go back to photographer's edit, it was a huge change to switch editing companies. And I just kept telling myself, what if the outcome is better? And so I, I try to walk that line and I'm, I'm surprised, pleasantly surprised in so many cases. And that's really allowed me to step back and let go of things and know that an outcome probably will be better. Oh, I appreciate the shout out. By the way, everybody listening in or watching, this was not a planned <laughs> conversation. So no. that's super generous of you, Jennifer. But um, I, I think I think one thing, you know, you talk about the significance of control and we all like control in a certain ways. In fact, as, as I've as I do a little bit of introspection for myself, I, I think I even realize at times that I'm trying to control something that I, I didn't realize I was trying to control previously. That, that effort at control sometimes could be a bit subconscious. Right. But what is underlying that that sense of control or maybe a number of things. But when it comes to something like delegating editing or delegating email management or delegating album design or delegating what there are a list of things that we can delegate in our business. And photographers will say, I mean, they've said on the podcast here, they say, I'm, I'm a control freak. So I just I have a hard time giving up. And that's kind of where the conversation ends. What I would encourage photographers to do, and actually not just with this topic, but but anything about how we feel about ourselves is to take a step back and look at what's driving that thought process. A lot of people, a lot of times people kind of equate how they feel to who they are. And that's a bit of a misnomer, right? Our feelings can can be distorted by so many different things. So to your point, Jennifer, being able to take a step back and look and see how it actually translates to benefit for the business or whether or not it benefits the business or not, objectively speaking, I think that's where the, the measurement should be made. And in order to do that, of course, we have to be clear about what it is we're trying to achieve as a company, as a business, and it allows us to take that measurement. But I love the fact that you make those distinctions. And I think it's a good reminder for all of our listeners. And by the way, for everybody listening in, in case you want to give us a shot, I know we don't talk about PE a whole lot here on the, on the podcast, but photographersedit.com, just like it sounds, you can use Boca Podcast, all one word, uh, for 40% off your first order. So you can take advantage of that. Um, Jennifer, we'll keep going here. One more question before we jump into the main topic at hand, talking about leveraging feedback from our communities. Uh, favorite book, self-help book, business book that you might want to throw out there as a recommendation to our listeners. What might that be? Yes, for me, it is Relentless by Tim Grover. I, I've read it several times, probably at least 10. And by read, I mean audiobook because that's the way to go for me. Um, but Relentless really spoke to me because it is about those with a relentless spirit. He 
Um, Tim Grover was the coach of Kobe, um, Dwayne Wade, several other very successful um, basketball players. And just hearing their mentality, the way they move, the way they live, their thought process, it, it just reaffirms that I'm doing things right. I'm on the correct path for me and I need to keep going. So it's really an affirmation of my efforts. Um, I have yet to find a book that spoke to me as much as that one. Really? And of course, there are several amazing books that I, I have read, um, yeah. but this one just spoke to me on a different level. So if you're that person who has the you know, massive dreams that you even think, wow, how am I going to get there? This is the book for you, Relentless by Tim Grover. Okay, cool. Yeah. And for those of you who are watching the, the live stream, you can see this on screen here. Relentless, From Good to Great to Unstoppable. Uh, of course, it's by Tim Grover, um, as Jennifer mentioned. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in. And uh, Jennifer, let's go ahead and jump into the main topic at hand. And we're going to talk about what it means to and how to ultimately leverage the feedback, to, to get the feedback and, and to leverage that from our community at hand. And you, you actually made an interesting statement, I think, in maybe the application process leading to the conversation to today. Um, there's this quote, and I've written this down. You said, engage, ask questions, and listen to your community. They have all the answers for your next move. Okay. And I mean, this is a pretty big, bold statement, right? A lot of photographers, and I've certainly been in this place at different points in my career, we, we are trying to figure out what the next step is with our brand, with our business. How do we grow? How do we make this change? How do we shift and adjust with the culture as it's changing, et cetera? Trying to make decisions about what to do next. You're suggesting that if you just talk to your community, the question likely, or the answer to the question or questions at hand likely are right there. Curious how you got to this place where, I don't know, you can make that big of an assertion because that's a big statement. Absolutely. I think, you know, again, I have the luxury of having, uh, well, let, let, me, let me start over a little bit. I, I, as a photographer, I was always the face of my business and I was trying to get away from that. I wanted to build like a physical space where I didn't have to be the face and the space itself could speak for itself. So, you know, as that started going, you're able, I think, to collect different points of views, different demographics a little quicker than maybe as a solo photographer. And because of that, I, I really started learning, ah, oh, we have, you know, quite a bit of perspectives and they're, they're asking me the same things over and over though. And that's, that's where things really start to pop. Okay. I've, we've now been called several times and asked, do we offer photography services? When I first opened the studio, my thought was everyone has a photographer. Why would they need us? But I learned that was not the case. So many people didn't have a photographer. So I heard it once. I heard it twice. I heard it three times. Do you offer photography services? And I listened. And then I started figuring out, okay, this is something we need. More than one person has asked for it. I keep hearing this question. Build it. So I guess, how long ago did this happen? I mean, your, your studio has been around for about three years. Did that happen mm -hmm. almost right away or did it happen more recently? No. And, you know, our studio journey has been very challenging because when we were nine months in, we shut down to the pandemic. I didn't know what the outcome of that would be, just like all of us didn't didn't know what the future held. Um, so when we reopened, I think that's when I surprisingly photography really took off right after the pandemic. I feel like those few months of people not getting photos 
pushed people to run and get photos. So as yeah. soon as we reopened, we were busy as a rental, a studio rental. And I kept hearing the question, do you offer photography services? So once I got my bearings straight, my feet back on the ground and started moving forward, um, I saw the potential and I acted on it. And, you know, you have to start somewhere, right? I didn't have all the answers. I didn't know what building a photography studio looked like, but I just started walking towards it. And I implemented something I thought would be a win-win-win for us, for them, um, and and it was. And from there, we've evolved our photo services. But it started about yeah, about a year in. I, I started thinking about it, and then I would say about a year and a half, I took action and pulled the trigger to actually offer photography services. Okay. Now, when we're when we're thinking about how much credit and significance we give to somebody else's opinion or a group of people's opinion about our business, this is something that I think a lot of photographers might have some apprehension about, right? I mean, the idea of at least the traditional photographer is this artist type, and it's all about the individual thought process and style, and whether it's photographic style or maybe editing uh -huh. styles, there's been a lot of emphasis put on that in the last number of years. And yet, when we're talking about giving significance to what somebody else or a group of people are saying about us, it takes a shift in mentality going from this, like, I'm, I'm in this narrow lane, this is about me and what I think about what I feel and, and what I want to do. Now we're giving credit to somebody else. And that really takes a shift in mentality. What, what I think, well, I guess really the question is, what would enable that for photographers? How can they get out of their own head? and be open to the idea of letting others not necessarily dictate what they do, but certainly give a lot of direction to what they're doing as a company. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard one. And I think it depends what you want for yourself as a photographer in your business. Some photographers are, are happy staying within, um, you know, we have X amount of shoots each week. I make X amount of dollars. That makes sense. Um, but if you're looking to grow and expand your reach, you have to you have to think bigger and you have to find other ways to get there. And so if you're one of the photographers who says, I want more, I, I feel burnout coming, I want to work less, I still want to keep working. There's no other option than to find other avenues. And if, if your audience has those answers, I just can't imagine why wouldn't you listen to them? Why wouldn't you try something new? I think a lot of photographers assume that they know best, though. Right. Or and again, if going back to what I said earlier, if this this idea of a photography business, which is driven by these days, certainly your face, the, the brand uh, is something that you created. So it's very close to your heart. The photographic style is, is supposed to be a reflection of you. And now you're giving significance to somebody else. And, and uh, you know, certainly speaking about the studio, that, that's, that's a conversation in and of itself. But let's just say that a photographer wants to continue their business in the model that they currently exist in, but they're looking to improve or expand or refine their process. Again, they're having to look to somebody else, or you're suggesting they look to somebody else's opinion versus their own. And it just seems like it would take a, a pretty significant shift to mentality, this idea that they get away from their opinion being number one and they're opening to somebody else's opinion being significant enough that it would actually drive change in their business. That's just a, seems like a really big shift. And I love the practicality. You're saying, you know, what, like, why wouldn't you take that? Of course, <laughs> if they have so an simple. idea. Um, but, and, and I'm very much with you by the way, but I know a lot of photographers are a bit more apprehensive because again, they're the kind of traditional artist type, stereotypical artist type. They're like, this is what I do and this is my brand and yeah. there's no way I'm going to let anybody else tell me what I'm supposed to do because this is my thing. <laughs> so how do you shift to that mentality a little bit? 
Well, again, it's, it's priorities. What is your priority? If you are an artist and I know so many of them, um, that want things this way and I, I, I do my editing and it needs to work this way. I, I, I really don't know what to tell you on that end because there has to be some give to get ahead. For me, I had mm. to let go of the fact that, okay, only I can shoot only I can edit like this. I had to give that away to bring in other photographers to be able to grow. It's it's a push and pull and you have to decide where you reside within that. Yeah. So if you see bigger for yourself and you want to do different things within your current realm, there's no choice. You just have to take some chances and step outside your box. And, and that's one big thing I think um, I think is really important. It's practice, right? Mm. We don't just completely change our mindset and say, I've done it this way and now I'm doing it this way. That's not realistic. But what's one small way you can change within your business that will create a small result? Start there. Something small that's not going to affect you hugely, not giving away your editing, you know, not having someone else shoot for you. But what's something very tiny that you can do different that you may see a different result? Start with one small step to create change that will move you forward. And then you start to build confidence and you see, oh, I let go of that. What if I let go of this? Or what if I try this differently? What would be the outcome? So I think you need practice and eventually it gets easier and suddenly you're ready to give up giant things like editing or whatever the case is for you. That's that's good. I wanna go back to something you said though, kind of the, the outset of that, you're talking about the significance of growth or the desire for growth more specifically. If you want to grow as a company. The reality is if you're a sole photographer or even maybe you, you photograph with a partner, you're limited in the amount that you can grow if you're if you insist on keeping it, you know, just the way that you've got it now. You're the ones that are shooting, you're the ones that are editing, you're the ones that are meeting with the clients, you're the ones that are managing all the workflow. If yeah. you want to scale, you really don't have a choice other than to bring somebody else in, whether that's in-house or a third-party company or whatever it might be, but you have to leverage those additional resources if you want to scale. If you don't ever want to scale, if you're good with the, the current trajectory, then so be it. I would hope though that most photographers are looking, not necessarily to build a massive studio or anything, but that are they're looking to, to continue to evolve as a business. When, when you stop evolving, there's a question mark at least of, is this thing starting to die off, you know? Um, I, th I think we should always be looking for opportunities to grow and to change as a business, certainly for the better. What do you think though, is the balance between asserting yourself as the business owner or as the photographer and keeping an open mind and acknowledging the opinions of others? Because it seems like at some point as business owners, we do have to make decisions, right? So mm -hmm. where, where's the balance between the, that decision-making process, but also acknowledging the outside perspective or opinions of others? There's, I don't believe there's one, you know, answer for everyone. You have to find what that looks like for you. Um, you know, how you, how you said you were a photographer, you did weddings for 10 years. Weddings are very labor intensive. They take a lot of physical work. They're, they're hard. What, what does that look like in five years for you? If you're 40 now, are you still going to be shooting weddings in five or 10 years? And so you have to make that call. What does moving forward look like? So if I ask my community and I listen to them, where do they see me as the expert? Where do, does my, where do my words resonate most with them? Is it in education? Is it in, 
you know, teaching new photographers. I feel like education is a huge direction that a lot of photographers are moving to because it doesn't require that, that amount of physical labor. It requires a different form of hustle and whatnot. Mm. So you have to find that for yourself. You have to be willing to step out and figure out what, what what's your what is your significance? How can you build on that beyond what you're doing today? Yeah, and maybe even taking a step back further than that, again, something that we've talked about more in the last year or two on the podcast is that idea of the big picture view, like the overarching set of goals that we have for our personal lives, which then I think should translate to the business model that we create. One of the reasons I think that that many photographers have gone the education route one, dare I say it, maybe to find some type of significance for themselves. They like the idea of their name being out there and people looking to them as experts. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that per se. Uh, probably a much deeper conversation to be had there. But then the other thing, I think the, the appealing idea anyway, is that they've got this business model that kind of, you know, is passive income, right? So this idea that they're going to be able to put a course out there to generate revenue. And if they can do that, that's wonderful. But the question I think really is at at the end of the day, or really overarching question above and I guess really just above everything else is what is it that I'm trying to achieve? And when we have that overarching set of goals that drive our decision-making, it becomes a lot easier to make those decisions. So the idea of, do I go outside of myself to, to listen to the opinions of my community? To your earlier point, it's not even really a question of whether or not I need to do that because I know what my overarching set of goals are, what I'm trying to achieve, and that right now, me as an individual, I can't achieve those on my own. So of course I have to go outside. I need to rely on the feedback of community. I need to delegate to somebody else or a team of people in order to achieve these goals. A lot of photographers don't have that kind of clarity, that direction. They just, they generally want to be a photographer, and that's great. I mean, I, I've certainly been there. And and then maybe they want to you know make X amount of money in a year. Okay, fine. But those are kind of... I guess you could call them micro goals, if you will, versus the macro goals, which are those overarching set of goals that they should be striving for. And that can help with that decision-making process um, and maybe help create that open mind that we were talking about to going outside of themselves. So I, I'm kind of brainstorming, thinking out loud with you. What do, what do you think about that, though? Well, um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a fun, interesting conversation to me because you very much have the artist type photographers, and I respect that, and I, I love their work, but when it comes to building a business, there, there has to be another layer to it. And so maybe one suggestion I can make is if you're, you know, especially in a photographer who, who just wants to photograph and for, that, for the passion of being a photographer, completely understandable, but what if you maybe consider even bringing in a business coach or a life coach or something in that nature to help you navigate what, what other opportunities lie within, if it's not education, what other opportunities are within your photography realm? Because outside voices, if it's not your community, perhaps a professional um, really can do the same thing, brainstorm with you to bring out these ideas that you would have never thought of. And that outside perspective, mm. um, you know, sees things on a bigger picture, a different scale. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a good way to go. Bring in that help. It looks different, right, than bringing in an assistant or whatnot. This is on a, a larger scale for yourself, but I think the value of someone who can motivate you, give you accountability. You know, photographers, we work on our, our own when you're a solo photographer, so you don't always have that community. So step out and, 
you know, meet like-minded people, or like I said, um, a business coach, get, you know, do photography meetups, really talk to your community, see, see mm. what, what they're doing, where they're going, what they're thinking. But I do bring it back to business coaching. I'm all about coaching. I love bringing in coaches for many things in life because they help me do better. They help me think different. They spark new ideas that I couldn't have come up with on my own. So that, that's a fantastic avenue to, to go a different direction perhaps. And just to dig into this just a little bit further, and then we'll go to some practical takeaways for, for the listeners as well. This idea of, again, looking to community for feedback, uh, it suggests that there may be change involved, right? If, if we get feedback from somebody, <laughs> we're open to their feedback, and we have a certain set of parameters against which we can kind of balance that feedback to make the decision about whether or not to apply it there may be some change involved. I know part of the reason that some photographers may be apprehensive to getting outside feedback is that it involves change. A lot of us are <laughs> apprehensive to change in one form or another. We like a certain sense of stability. We like to be where our comfort zone is. Again, super understandable. It's human nature. But how, I guess, how can we begin to open our minds a little bit more to the idea of change? How can we associate the idea of change was something good versus always or almost always going into this kind of defensive mode. We're like, Oh, change. No, I don't want to change again. I'm good where I'm at. How can we kind of shift that mindset a bit? Well, like exactly what you said, that's, that's mindset work. And for, I can only speak to my journey. Um, my, I used to be a very different person. I'm so proud of who I've become, but it took me doing the work. And what did that work look like? It started with just reading books, hearing different mindsets, hearing perspectives I'd never been introduced to because I was very much in my box, uh, you know, of how I've grown up, of sure. the business I've built and so forth. So I started stepping out and asking myself, what else is out there? What if it's not black and white? What's this gray area look like? So audiobooks were a huge source of um, evolution for me. Podcasts, you know, listening to people about mindset. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of maybe Jay Shetty. He's a, he's a great one that has different perspectives and great conversations on mindset and whatnot. So books, podcasts, and then doing the work. Once you've actually, you know, created some experience in education, now how do we shift our mindset? How do I take this perspective that someone else gave to me and implement it into my way of thinking? It doesn't have to be completely their perspective, but how do I turn it into something of my own that I believe and I can move with? And so it, it's, it starts with the mindset and then it takes the doing the work, everything. We have to do the work. And it's so interesting in business because you, know, you think business is business. If I do this, this, and this, it'll generate this. But for me, at least, business is all about that mindset. If, if my mindset's not in the right place to be open, to be um, willing to grow, to be willing to evolve, I'm just, I'm not going to make any changes. So you have to be open to hearing new perspectives, understanding different mindsets, and then doing the work to find your version of that. Okay. So let's, let's dig in the nitty gritty, the, the kind of practical next actions for the listeners, again, as it relates to getting feedback from community, what are some specific ways that photographers can go about getting feedback from their fan base, from their existing client base, so that they can look for these opportunities to improve their company? Absolutely. So first, I think you need to know or have an idea of what direction you want to go. Um, so you, you can start asking the right questions. And that's the first thing I'm going to say is you have to ask questions. You have the opportunity to be face to face with people at photo shoots, um, you know, probably aside from weddings, but more portrait shoots, family shoots and so forth. You have opportunities to have conversations 
Think of questions that are going to give you answers that are going to help you. Think of questions that um, are going to give you, are going to allow your clients to give you good feedback. So the first and most important thing, have in-person conversations when you have the opportunity to get in front of people's faces. Ask them questions. And so then beyond that, um, surveys. I think surveys are a great way to go. I, uh, Survey Monkey is one. Okay. Um, hopefully, you have a newsletter because um, this is going to tie in. You know, we, we want to build a newsletter base. Newsletters are such a fantastic way to ask questions and to give information. And with that, you can generate surveys within there as well. So, in person, your newsletter, which will give you surveys and just kind of general questions. And then finally, Instagram. Instagram is a fantastic way to take polls. They literally have a tool on there, the poll tool that you can put in your stories and you ask questions and people love answering polls. They don't have to you know, give much effort. They can push this or this, yes or no. Um, and so polls are a fantastic way to kind of navigate the scape of where you're at to ask questions and give people an opportunity to give you their feedback you know, without digging in too deep. So if you have, a, you know, an Instagram base of a couple thousand people and 50 of those people take your poll, that's 50 answers telling you, uh, I'd prefer if you shoot indoors or you shoot outdoors. So that, that's a fantastic tool. Use your resources and, you know, create them and use them wisely. Okay. So, I'm, and I'm just taking notes here. So to make it super straightforward and clear. So this first step, is it, is it more about considering the questions to be asked and the platform to ask them with, or what, what, how would you sum up the first step? Well, I, you know, actually I could even take it back more simple. Just have conversations, have conversations with have the people conversations. you're in front of, Okay. have conversations. Yeah. And, and you don't necessarily need a, a list of questions to ask. Just have conversations, ask why people used you, what stood out, what resonated? Why did you, why did you choose me? Why did you pay me over all these other photographers? That's going to give you some great feedback in and of itself. What is it in your work that's resonating with people? So okay. just have conversations. Okay. So that first step is having conversations. And then so just to harken back to something that you said at the beginning, being clear about where you want to go, at least the way that I connect that to this conversation is in order to ask good questions to get the right information, we have to be clear about what it is we're trying to accomplish through the conversation, right? If we, I mean, random conversation is great for many reasons, but if there isn't some intention behind the questions, we're not going to get the information that we need. So am I understanding that right? That we have to be clear about our intentions in order to ask the right questions in those conversations? Definitely. And that, again, goes back to the mind work and the self work that you have to do. And you need some sort of framework on what moving forward, evolving or scaling looks like for you. And, you know, I always say if there's something that a thought or an idea that keeps coming back to you, something you think you should be doing and you know, day after day, month after month, it, it just, it keeps residing within you. Listen to that and then take those little nuggets that you know are there for a reason and figure out how to build conversations around those, you know, ask people, Hey, what do you think about this? If I went this direction, is that something you'd be interested in? I'm just trying to understand and see if that's something that resonates with people. So you do need some sort of direction, I think. And then you can ask more specific questions such as, is this something that you would pay for? Is this something you would show up for? They'll tell you yes or no and ask multiple people because you're, you're listening to those answers. Okay. So five people told me, yeah, they'd absolutely do that. That's something I want to keep walking towards. Okay. That's, that's really, really good actually. Okay. So start with having a conversation, parentheses, 
make sure you're clear about your intentions going into those conversations. That, that, that's a big deal. Okay, so then take us to the second step. Um, so let's go to say newsletters, um, building a newsletter list is invaluable because a lot of people aren't on social media. You're not seeing your clients, you know, every year, sometimes you're not seeing them every month. So by having a newsletter, it's, it's one more touch point that you can reach out to them in your newsletter. You can give information and you can ask questions. People may or may not respond, but at least ask the question. Um, search for some feedback. And within those as well, you can create surveys or give links to surveys. I would keep them short and to the point, which again, goes back to you doing the work. What is the specific thing I need to know? And I would love to know from you and that you're willing to take one minute, not a you know 20 yeah. minute survey, just one minute to help me understand, is this something I should move forward on? Yeah, and the specificity, that's something that, that um, we've worked on internally at, at Photographer's Edit as well, is we're going to send a survey out. If you send just a broad survey out, they don't, like you said, Jennifer, they don't have any idea whether this is going to be a 20-minute survey or a 15-minute survey or even a 10-minute survey. Most people don't, it's not that they don't have the time, it's that they don't care to prioritize spending 10 minutes on a survey when it's not that important to them. Right. But if, if it's if you can somehow associate a value proposition to that survey and specify that it's only going to take a minute or three minutes, there's only one question or there's only three questions. It helps minimize that sense of um, overwhelm or the assumption that it's going to take too much time and might encourage engagement. The, the flip side of that, I'm curious about this, because while I can easily understand the argument for having conversations in person or even over the phone or Zoom, if necessary, we're actually having like an inter, a real interaction with somebody. The thing about a newsletter going out into an inbox, and I, I mean, and I say this knowing that these this day and age too, the way that the engagement levels on social media are, are in some ways watering down, at least certain platforms. And there's some value to an email newsletter list. The flip side of that, to, in my mind, is I, I'm, I'm a bit jaded, a bit cynical after 20 years in the industry, but I, like, it's just another email coming into my inbox. And I have 68 other things that I need to do. And it just, you know, it could kind of get lost in the mix of the 15 other emails that came from five other companies in the same day. How do you actually stand out amidst that kind of noise and that mess and actually get engagement sending yet another email to this person's inbox that probably already has 100 emails in their inbox? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it is, it's a delicate balance and I, I don't have all the answers. I can just say what I've been trying. I think number one is to have a strong title. And I'm always messing around with the subject line because that that's in often cases what gets people to open the email or not. Yeah. So I've learned that um, a lot of times it's a, it's an odd number that intrigues people. So I, one of our last ones was three photo shoots for you. And I think when you see that subject line, because a couple of people told me that it did intrigue them to open the email is, are you giving me a free photo shoot? Well, no, that was not the case, but we created three different uh, collections that you can choose from. And so that actually had a, a really great opening rate. So as far as newsletters, I start with a good subject line where I have failed and where I'm now starting to, to pick that up and do better is consistency because newsletters, you know, I don't expect that everyone's going to open it. I'm just trying to reach some people that I'm not reaching on social media. And so if they're seeing our name repeatedly, whether or not they open it, they know what we are. They signed up for our newsletter or they've used our services. So when they are ready to need our services again, our name's going to pop up quicker, especially if they're not on social media, they're not seeing our name all the time. 
but our name in our, their email box, whether or not they read the newsletter, it's just brand recognition. So it's one more way to see our name in front of you. Okay. That's, that's, I love that really practical recommendations. All right. So we're starting first of all with conversations, ideally in person, of course you can have them other ways, but start with a conversation, intentional conversation. Number two, build that newsletter list and a couple of practical ways to uh, encourage, I guess, the, the open rate, strong title and subject line. And we've seen the same thing on our end. It, uh, Jill, who heads up our digital marketing has a little fun coming up with these creative titles that, um, certainly are meant to be misleading. It just, you know, sometimes they can just be fun, straight up funny, just humorous in nature. And they're more likely to get somebody's attention than these kind of boring, um, canned subject lines that you see in some <laughs> emails. So getting creative with the subject line and, um, also consistency and sending them out, knowing that not, not everyone will be open. That's good. Okay. Take us to that third kind of next step or practical action for getting that feedback from community. Yeah, so I, I said surveys, we talked about that. So I'm just going to move to Instagram polls. Um, I've found that people love taking polls, because instead of having to think of a response, actually respond, type it out, they can just go through their phone and hit yes, no. And for our surveys, I, I, I'd make them fun. I'd try to be most clever. Um, and it, you see, you know, people taking the whole series of surveys. I give them a great visual and a fun question to answer. But within that, I'm actually trying to get some sort of feedback and some sort of understanding of what they're interested in. Would you prefer weekday shoots or weekend shoots? Would you prefer one studio or two studios? So the value in this Instagram poll is really great. It gives you great feedback and, and encourages people to actually join in on the conversation. So it's the poll tool within your stories. Um, I would say number one, if you can, you know, we're photographers, come up with some pretty visuals, have that as the background, put your questions over it and make your questions short, specific, specificity is everything and um, relevant. So keep your, your question very short, give a fun way to answer and, you know, make it fun just try, try to have fun on these things. Instagram is, you know, it, it can be fun. It's a lot of work, but it, it produces such a great result. So make it enjoyable for the people that are going to stay on there with you and, you know, give you the, that valuable feedback. And, and you mentioned polls, giving them like one option or another. And I think mm -hmm. just thinking about making it easy again, we were talking about newsletters and how to make that easy for people to engage with knowing that there's minimal time commitment involved. The, the cool thing about Instagram and polls, it's right there in front of them. And if you just give them one option or another, and all they have to do is click on one, that it has taken them no time and hopefully is a fun enough question and maybe even fun, creative answer that they get to choose from that took them a split second. And as a result, you're able to get a lot of data or surprising amount of data just through something as simple as that little poll. Um, I, I think that's really important to note for our listeners. Don't make it complicated where it's, you know, long, ton of text, and then they got to go in and type a paragraph to respond to you, make it easy for them to encourage the engagement and get that information that you need. Yes, definitely. And I'll give you a very applicable example. Um, another service we added, because again, I was listening to the community, people asked, um, do you offer dresses, wardrobe for us to use? And we didn't. And so, but again, I heard it once, twice, three times. Okay, I need to figure out, we need to build this. So we built out a wardrobe, which is a, it's, it's a collection of dresses that people can rent for their shoots in the studio. So now when we purchase new dresses, there'll be some I'm on the fence about. I'll look at it and say, I think people would rent this. 
instead of wondering, I just go straight to Instagram. I'll put up a picture of the dress. Is this something you would wear? And we get great answers that way. Sometimes it's, for me, it's not a yes or no question because to me, no is kind of negative. So how yeah. I'll frame it is I'll say, would you wear this? And I'll, I'll just put, you know, heck yes or absolutely. I'm not looking for either or answer. I'm just looking for how many people pushed it to tell me I'm interested. So you don't necessarily have to have it either or just by putting it up and giving people a chance to um, answer if, if they would use it even. That just told me, okay, uh, 200 people clicked yes, they would wear that. That's enough for me to say yes and buy that dress. Yeah, and maybe when you said you don't wanna create a scenario where they have to say no because it feels negative, it made me think about uh, parenting. I have I have two kids and you know one of the things that the quote unquote, they tell you to do when it comes to parenting, rather than giving them a yes or no question or asking a yes or no question, give the kid an opportunity to make a choice from themselves. Instead of, you know, you, I mean, you could say something as simple as, would you like the ice cream after dinner or would you like it tomorrow for a snack versus would you like an ice cream? Yes or no. Um, where it gives them the opportunity that they, they have to make a choice that is positive in nature. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that, that direction. Like a multiple um, choice so. scenario versus yes or no, I yeah, guess is best way definitely. to sum that up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I communicated very well, but I, I think you get the idea and, and you're right. I, I think about that, the, the, um, the way the words that we're using in the communication with our clients as well for photographers that it, if we're addressing an issue that, that needs to be addressed. Maybe there's been a particular behavioral pattern that's causing a problem with the customer experience and we have to address that. There are ways that we can go about pointing out that particular issue in a way that is, we can actually talk about the value proposition of doing something differently versus saying you shouldn't do this thing. You can say, hey, if you do this, here's the end result and it's really amazing. And you focus on that versus telling them they shouldn't do this other thing. Uh, yeah, there are definitely ways to approach conversations that help minimize that negative tone. And I think that's important as well. So this is good practical stuff. So number one, start with the conversation. By all means, if you can meet with somebody in person, if need be, have a phone or Zoom call, but have a conversation with clients and, and the fan base at large to get their take on a particular subject or any number of subjects. Build that newsletter list is number two. And of course, you can use that to send out surveys as well. The key here is simplicity, brevity. That makes all the difference in the world. And, and we've, I don't know if you've done this, Jennifer, or not, but we have tied like little, you know, like $5 Starbucks gift card, for example, just as a thank you for them taking their time. Because we know that we're asking, even if it is a few minutes, they've got a hundred other email in their inbox. And so for them to take the time to go answer a survey that ultimately gives us the most value, that's asking something. So I want to give them something in return. And so giving a gift card is something that we've done. Have you ever experimented with that? I haven't, but that gave, gives me a good idea. And I will definitely consider that when they are, you know, valuable areas that I, I really need that data. So yeah. I'm definitely not opposed to enticing people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just think I'm getting something of value. So I'm, I'm going to offer something of value in exchange. And then number three, the Instagram pol polls and, and taking again, that very simple abbreviated approach to asking questions, getting important data, anything that you want to kind of tack on the end here to, to, to close our conversation out? Um, I, I just, I really come back to specificity. I, hmm. You've made me think a lot about that. Um, you know, I, I've learned, especially as a creative, or even just when I ask my team things or ask people things, we all do better with limitations. And I'll tell people this a lot. And the reason I'm saying this is because I'll ask questions sometimes and I don't get a lot of answers. I'm like, well, that was a good question. And then I go back and I revisit what I asked and I see 
yeah, but it was too broad. So, you know, would you rather have me tell you, Hey, draw me a picture. Or would you rather have me tell you, Hey, draw me a picture of the ocean or of, of a beach. We need specificity and kind of some guidelines. So, um, I, you know, I come back to specificity, be tight, be sweet, be short, and just ask, you know, bold, be bold, ask for feedback, let people know this helps us grow. This helps us offer. And that's how I always frame it. Cause it's very true. Yeah. When you speak to us, that allows us to understand what you want and offer services that can meet those needs. And it's because of your feedback that we can move forward on these things. Yeah, and it, it's it's great to do that. I, I think a lot of times you get emails from companies where maybe they are putting a survey out or they're just asking for some feedback. But the way that they framed it, it's a, it's a bit self-serving in nature, especially for anybody who has like half a brain is, is kind of reading through the copy in front of them. They realize, oh, they're just, they're just getting something for themselves here. So turning that, kind of changing that vocabulary and making it about the end user or viewer or survey taker, the end client in this case, is, is important. How are we, as a result of asking for this engagement, how are we ultimately going to make your lives better? If you're willing to take this three-minute survey and answer these questions, this will enable us to provide, you know, 5x a better experience the next time that you work with us. And of course, the assumption there is that this is a fan who is going to come back to us again at some point in the future, but we can speak to the value that we add to their lives as a result of them taking just a few minutes to, to answer these questions. And I, I think it's always important to frame it for their value at the end of the day, because that, that I don't know, I, I just hate asking for stuff all the time and expecting all, to get all this stuff from the client when ultimately our business benefits. If we can actually speak to the value we're adding to their lives, I think that goes a long way. So I, I think I've said that Absolutely. enough. I'm starting to repeat myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that comes back though to the what I was saying, a, a win-win-win situation. Yeah, exactly. You know, if, if it's everything we do is self-serving, that's not winning for other people. Mm. So how are we creating solutions that as a business we're winning, as a photographer you're winning and your clients. So always bringing it back to how do we all win how can I ask this question? How can I get this feedback so we all can win? Beautifully summed up. I, I really appreciate you having this conversation with me today, Jennifer. And if you will, remind our listeners where they can find your website and then also follow you on Instagram as well. Yes, I'd love if you check us out on um, Instagram. We are at Spark, S-P-A-R-K, studios with an S-O-C, or not .com, that's Instagram. And our website is sparkstudiosoc.com. We're very active on Instagram. We try to give you great information, um, great resources, and just a great experience. Perfect. We're going to link to those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. I, I did pop those up on the screen for those of you that are watching the live stream. Jennifer, thanks again for hanging out with me, for sharing the, some practical advice for our listeners. And thank you, everybody who did chime in. Make sure you're following us at bocapodcast.com um, and also at bocapodcast on Instagram to keep up with the upcoming live streams. Appreciate you all joining us today. Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful day.